It's Friday Night Fright on this week's episode. You get Walking Dead. You get Violent Night. You get the menu. I think menu. And you get some other stuff. Yeah, not Batman Returns. I didn't go see it in the end. But you get that stuff. Yay. It's awesome, right? It's cool. Anyway, it's coming up in just a second. So, I've just seen Violent Nights, the David Harbour Christmas action horror movie. And my thoughts on it. Um, This is a hard movie to quantify, really, because in some ways this is the movie I always wanted to see at Christmas. Say, violent, witty, brutal schlocky horror movie set Christmas and that's great that's really really cool but 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 it's also incredibly sentimental very mainstream very gushy very much the message of Christmas and very much has a lot of time when David Harbour's Santa Claus is not on screen and the quips are not very good. Now, that's not a problem always. Um, if you have... If you set scenes in such a way, something like Jingle Way has some of the worst dialogue ever made, but it's delivered in such fun way. And that's not a knock on Dave Harbour. He's great in this movie. It's just maybe not best takes. Um... Take safe very seriously at points, not seriously at others. It's um yeah, it's difficult to quantify because us talk about afterwards. This is a weirdly not uh, mean spirited movie. Um Home Alone feel despite the fact this has lashings of gore. Home Alone is more mean spirited than this movie, and that's strange because that's a PG. Um, yeah, it's, fuck, um, I'm saying I'm a lot, it's, okay, describe it, it's two movies in one, this is a schlocky horror movie idea straight out of 1980s, in fact, there's probably a, this movie's probably got other movies of a similar nature and they're made in the 80s on a shoestring budget and a nasty and the brutal, and the sarcastic and cynical, and this movie with its Hollywood budget is not very cynical. It's very hopeful. Not even, like something like Bad Santa is more hard edged. Like, it's not a flaw. Like again, Dave Hobbs does this great job, but I feel like this movie's trying to be two things. It's trying to be a sentiment movie about good about people overcoming their flaws at Christmas and all of that. And it's trying to be a sharp, acerbic, acerbic mocking of Christmas. And it's trying to do both at the same time. And the problem is, it doesn't really work for either. And a lot of people say online, oh yeah, it's, it's a great Christmas movie. It's, it's a high-octane free ride. It's not. Oh, a high-octane free ride. And that's not so it's bad. Because there's a lot of good parts to it. And at points, it's really, really funny. It just feels like... 
they're trying to make movie to appeal to gorehounds like me and people who want more sentimental Christmas fare, and I don't think it necessarily succeeds in either. It's an entertaining movie that doesn't work on levels it could work on. It could have literally been very subversive and very, very, very brutal. But it's not as much as it could have been. And as a result, it's probably going to make a decent amount of box office. But it's not the movie it could be. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, something like, like Love Actually is very smoke, seems very sentimental. But it's not trying to do anything other than that. Whereas this feels like it's going for a middle ground and think unfortunately when going to middle ground you're never going to be as good as you could have been or as bad as you could have been you're going to be in the middle which usually produces some fan that's not as great as it thinks it's going to be and that's frustrating because Dave Harper clearly seems up for the harder edges but they feel so much Christmas magic bullshit that it never gets those points you know it's like a studio somewhere thought, well, let's rain back on this, this, and this, you know, because there's a version for this movie which was made in the 80s where these people, all of this fucking family dies, like, and there's no sentimental aspects to it, and F1's a jerk, but you can't do, like, mainstream cinema because script writing convention. You know, it's all that talk, people like Robert McKee, who demand your scripts have this, 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 and this, and... This sort of movie's the result. It's if you thought the most form lake version of the story, this would be a Santa Claus has hard edges, but ultimately he's a nice guy. Ultimately the family, you know, they all bond and they all bond over Christmas and everything works out in the end. Even when things don't work out, no one seems to give a shit, you know. And so, like, the spirit of Christmas and it's like, oh, fucking save us. It's not even being sarcastic about it. It's being very earnest about it and Christmas magic and all that bollocks. And as a result, this just feels like you, you probably the first draft of scripts far more subversive and witty and clever and they beat it out down and this is what they got, which is halfway between both um, avenues, sentimental and single. And I would preferred they commit to either of them. Like, if you're going to make it sentimental, you could have done a parody of it, gone really over the top with it. If you're going to make it single, you could have gone a lot sharper with it. And the result is something which I think ultimately doesn't, won't really please anyone, you know, to for extent is what I mean. But it's, in some ways, it's a nice way to start Christmas. And it's cool that a violent move like this gets in cinema. They even does have to make clear concessions. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to watch a violent movie with the sporadic, generally hilarious lying and really over-the-top death, violent night's for you, I guess. It's just, it, it could have been better. So. Man, it's two for one week on cinema reviews because I've also just seen The Menu. Dun, dun, dun. Finally, even has seen The Menu, the movie that I should have seen a week ago and didn't and should have seen five days ago and didn't and should have seen uh, Sunday and didn't. But finally, Monday, I've seen it and it's 
really, really good. It's a really, really good movie. For those who don't know, Menu is the movie starring Nicholas Holt, um, Ralph Fiennes, Anna Taylor-Joy, and John Leguizamo, who was also in Violent Night. So this is a cool week for people who like John Leguizamo, who should be everyone, because good actor, and he's in another movie that comes out within a short period. So that's very cool. And the menu concerns, um, concerns even a night out for a bunch of elitist people, um, mostly, who go to an island orf- to a restaurant named Orphans to eat some very elitist food. And it's a razor-sharp comedy. It's obviously got a lot of horrifying aspects to it, but predominantly it's a horror comedy. And it's a really, really good one. Angered by the fact that Ralph Fiennes is an incredible actor. And a really, really good script. It's a very compact, short-ish, concise, very well-written movie. Some amazing acting. And some brilliant humour, which is good. Because I think all horrors have humour to it. It doesn't always, but should. And a bit of life to it. And this one does have life and zest. It's uh, kind of a movie and it's difficult to re-describe without spoiling. And I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but it's great. It's really, really good. It's a bit eccentric, a bit weird, a bit of a flair to it, but also short and compact, as mentioned. And bizarrely, produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. I mean, obviously, you know, Will Ferrell was in Spirited on App TV, which you should definitely watch Spirited, by the way. Good, very good movie. I won't do a review because it's not horror, but it's very good. And this... How best describe this? Weird, eccentric, unique. Unique usually seems a bad word in terms of Sigma. But in this case, it's quite apt. The movie is very unique and very anchored by two incredible performances by Ante Joy, who is one of the best actresses on planet, and Ralph Fiennes is one of the best actors on planet. And I can't trust enough how good Ante Joy is. She is an excellent actress, and her career choices are, oh man, she is killing it she's never anything less than good you know and that good is just from virtue of the new mutants movie in general her performances are all excellent even movies which aren't very good um split glass which she's still grazing but when you give her something like the witch or northman holy shit she knocks out the fucking park and ralph fines obviously is ralph fines he is one of the best actors on the planet um some of his personal life choices not quite what you'd hope for, but in general, wow, one actor, and he knocks this out in park again. He's incredible in this movie. He's a chameleon who does a really good job of presenting this front of a obviously I don't want to go spoilers, but this front of a successful chef with thinly veiled rage beneath surface. He's met every step way back to joy. And I suppose credit should go Nicholas Holt, who does a good job, although his character Actually, to be fair, he does a great job given his character is one of the most unlikable characters in the history of cinema. No spoilers, but scumbag. And one of those middle class... Basically, Nicholas Holt's character is one of those middle, upper-class assholes. You know, he's really boring people who um, might be doctors, lawyers, and basically they were upper-class trained and upper-class educated and they have no fucking personality. He is one of those characters. Um, which is a nice contrast because, you know, Ralph Fiennes plays the chef who's got fairly thinly felt rage issues. And Ten Joy plays someone who's a genuine person. And so it's a nice dynamic there between the three of them. 
what I rate the movie, you know, this is a bit that's really difficult because, again, I can't really talk about it too much without spoiling, but I would say, honestly, this was one of my favourite movies of the year. The acting's great, writing's great, and it's just a weird little movie that's great seeing Sigma, and I'm glad I finally managed to get to see it in Sigma. You know, people really have mindset that Sigma is doomed now, but Sigma's not doomed. What dooms or what causes doom and gloom is people who can't be asked to go see a fucking movie and the menu is an example of that this should be playing in front of packed houses it's not because people do lip service for this i won't support cinema thing they don't they just won't complain on twitter you know if you want to support movies like menu it's out go see it unless i mean obviously there are stingling services but you know, this is a movie which would play even better before audience because group people as in Sigma with me today, they're all laughing, they're having a damn good time, and it's it's a unique pedigree of a movie. You know, it's definitely it's a bit like Wes Anderson's one where the script is so sharp and so concise that you can't help but laugh even when it's an awkward moment. So yeah, I'd say great. It's just good all round and great all round even. But again, like, you know, at a certain point where you can't say anything about spoiling and you don't want to be spoiled for this at all. You want to experience it cold. But definitely go see it. I need a second review before I give it full five stars, but I'm nearing it now. Um, so whenever it's on Paramount Plus or wherever, I should watch it again. <laughs> I saw Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter and it was really really good <laughs> really really good John Carpenter is the absolute best in every conceivable way he is my almighty hero as director and Prince of Darkness reconfirms that because I read about this movie a while ago I have to be honest, I haven't seen all John Carpenter's movies. I've seen a lot of them, but I've never seen all of them. And this one, I could never find a good copy of it um, really on DVD of uh, HMV. And I'm trying to get on my DVDs HMV now. So I'd read up on it on Wikipedia and TV Tropes. And it always sounded like um, a very strange, more of a cerebral movie, I guess. The descriptions of it and TV Tropes stuff. And then to actually watch it, it's not. It isn't smart, because it is, but it's a lot different than it's perpetrated as. It seems to have the vibe of being a mix of Big Trouble in Little China and Finn, where it takes the seriousness of Finn and people stuck in one location and all nightmares that might entail, but throws in the humour of Big Trouble in Little China, as exemplified by Dennis Dunn and Victor, Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong being in it, who were seeing them. Big Trouble in Little China. So you've got humour from that movie, but also you've got some of the seriousness from Thing. So what you get is kind of a mild hybrid. It's not really comedy. There's a lot more horror aspects to it. But instead of being like the Thing, where it's like survival horror, this is survival horror elements, but it seems to be more science fiction horror because dealing with antimatter and wormholes and um, divergent theory and time causality and things like that. But what it creates is a very unique movie and that's what i like about john carpenter he makes movies that are so john carpenter it hurts 
And that's not a complaint. That's just the fact that John Carpenter has his style and demeanor and stature. But at the same time, also changes up with his, each movie, as we saw with Ing Mouth of Madness, which I'll cover at some point, because that is a fucking moving half, guys. But he can't... To change tone a little bit, he switches up piece his pe he switches up beat of his pieces. You know, John Carpenter's elements, which are in F one of his movies, but the exact nature of them in each movie changes, varying on what sort of movie he's making is. And this one does go into more of sci fi aspect. You know, obviously with the anti matter slash anti god, and it's also an interesting writing challenge because majority of the movie the antagonist is a glowing green liquid inside a tube and there are other obviously homeless people who are possessed and zombies and people and zombies sorry spoilers for an old movie but primarily that's the threat and what makes it really terrifying is it's so beyond our understanding it's here's this green liquid which is telepathically compared people do things which is entering them and forcing them to do things and it's trapped in a jar which only open from the inside so it's like Immediately, you're going, this is kind of weird. It's kind of Event Horizon style where you don't understand exactly what the, the monster is, even though you're given enough hints. The exact nature of it is so beyond your understanding that you think, oh, it's this green liquid. It's kind of silly. But then watching 4K and you're like, okay, some of the effects aren't great. For example, Donald Pleasant gets trapped behind a cupboard in a event which is not particularly good but then the whole vibe of the rest of the movie especially 4k restoration is so tense and terrifying indeed with a trademark john carpenter score now you can't hit but feel terrified no even i do i'm tra i'm a long time horror fan i feel terrified watching this i almost i also almost fell asleep four or five times but that wasn't because movie is bad that's because i was fucking knackered you know and blacking out actually in some ways made it more terrifying you know, because I kept waking up and they had to have those, um, Tiny Watcher going off. So they'd have those, uh, memories. The, um, if you're seeing this footage, it's real. You know, that stuff. I would wake up every time and see one flows and it really fucks with your head. And that's nothing. You get an element of time travel here. And also, great, ambiguous, without going into spoilers, John Carpenter ending. Which is awesome because he ends movies at the exact right time. You get pressing off people make would have movies go on for longer, and he's like, just cut it, just stop there, stop dead, because he's a very concise movie maker. And this is on a week when Sight and Sounds done their poll of their favorite movies. Um, loads of directors have nominated their top ten. They've combined them into a top hundred. And I gotta be honest, my top ten would probably have a few John Carpenter movies and pieces, but that's neither here nor there. Because I think John Carpenter's the fucking best. And having watched the new Halloweens and then the old one, I actually really like the restraint he shows. You know, it 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 just goes showing that less is more in direction, you know. John Carpenter has moments where he shows a unique, distinct visual style, but primarily he's telling a story in the most effective way possible. And I think nowadays it's like, hey, let's come up with the most creative key sequence. It's like, but is it telling the story? And it's not really. And the movies people remember are movies like the new Halloween 3, Halloween Ends, where is a bit more of a story to it and slow burn construction and, okay, still grotesquely over-top murder sequences. But... The ones you remember are things from like this, where there's one death where a guy dies, looks like he's eaten death by rats. Um, 
And it's not the most gruesome thing ever shown on screen, but where it's shot and lit and portrayed is as tense as more tense than anything you'll see in recent horror movies. You know, you see something like the latest Scream, which is Scream 5, not anything else, it's Scream 5. And it's really violent and really gory, but it doesn't really have any effect on you. And something like this does through its um, more obscure is the wrong word, but it's more. Uh, pr- practical effects, you know, it still has vibe on you and covers incredible. And 4K restoration, big prop for my boys at HMV, boys and men and women HMV. That store's the best, and you guys should all buy your stuff there. Yes, it will cost more, but you'll be supporting an awesome retailer and you'll be getting some cool shit. Like, you know, I got 4K restoration and it looks sexy as shit. And they're also where I got shock treatment from, so you know. You'll find some cool stuff too. That my view of Prince Darkness, you should definitely go see it if you're a John Carpenter fan. If you're not a John Carpenter fan, you should go see it anyway. And it's one of the best John Carpenter movies, which does not feature Kurt Russell. So check out, guys. Check out. Walking Dead, episode 7 of season 3. Uh, okay. Um tough episode to review because it features one of my least favourite things in fiction. Fiction. Sorry. And that is, oh, we've got one prisoner, eh? She's not talking. Let's do the implication of sexual impropriety. Or in other words, let's do the impression of rape. And that will do the scene wonders and great. And look, I'm not against things in fiction per se, like, you can do pretty much anything you want to with fiction. I've watched some really fucked up movies, which have some really increasingly fucked up things in them. Um, so I'm no prude, but I just... I think it just goes back to how I don't feel like they're really doing the governor the way he should be done characterized because they don't seem to know what he is. Is he charming? Is he a creep? Is he both? I mean, clearly the impression is he's both, but... It just, it just creates a character who I don't feel that they're really using effectively if they should. And that's kind of weird in retrospect because they have made this series. He's, his arc is long since over when I'm watching these episodes. You know, he hasn't been on the show in years. Go and presume character's dead. And Dave Morrison's moved on to other things. So why am I complaining? Well, I'm complaining. I'm trying not to complain, but I'm basically saying that the acting and character don't mesh. The actor is so good, but this character is a fucking mess. And it's really irritating. And I was close to saying I'm done with the show. Because, again, you put anything you want in fiction, I don't object on a bigger level than myself. But if I'm not enjoying it, I'm just going to stop watching it. And as I get older, there are things I don't want to watch. And that's one of them, even implication is one of the things I don't want to watch. I don't feel comfortable watching it. I don't enjoy it. I just feel like it's lazy writing to create, uh, oh, look at this bad villain mindset. Where it's like, you can do better than this. Come up with something different. You don't have to go to this way with that character. You know, it doesn't entertain me. <laughs> but the rest of the episode's good, and it's not bad writing. I still love things like Carol meeting up Rick and talking about Laurie and commiserating. And I think that's great because they have done an amazing job building up some of these characters and their relationships up, despite the fact that season three started eight months 
time to skip off season two, so we missed a lot of these dynamics, but we could see them on screen. Sorry, if I'm rambling, I got both my uh, vaccines today, COVID and flu, so my arms are sore. Yeah. But I'm missing Batman Returns because, you know, I put those above everything else and figured I'm going to be knackered later on, so I'll put something at home and I'll try and catch Batman Returns next year. But anyway, back to Walking Dead. So the episode concerns two plots. Glenn, who is an absolute badass of highest order, and Maggie... Um, being interrogated. Unfortunately, Maggie doesn't get any awesome moments. I think that's what also, also bugs me, where it's like, oh, she's a female character. It's like, why can't you have done the walker scene with her? You know, that would be even better than Glenn's. But they didn't do that. Um, they went to the she's a woman, she'll break. Smooth the sub-brandi, you know? And I just, oh, I don't know, it just bugs me. It's just lazy writing, especially with how badass Michonne is. She takes no shit. I imagine they're trying to parallel from characters, but oh, God. And then we come to the bit where they, they fucking break into Hermit's shack. He somehow doesn't know there's a fucking apocalypse going on, which is so dumb it hurts. I read online that what happened with him... Um, and I was like, oh, well, I'm sure in context it'll make sense. But in this context, it doesn't make any fucking sense. What would he eat? You know, if he's gone outside, he would know their walk is round. He'd live right by Woodbury. Like, you know, why wouldn't they have spotted him? It's all these things where it's just like, the time scale of Walking Dead doesn't really make any fucking sense. You know? I mean, you know, it's just, uh, he's so close to Woodbury, but they, they don't notice him, but they'll fucking notice random people miles away. Like, it, the whole thing's just a bit preposterous. And then the fact that they shrug it off, is sort of like, in Walking Dead Season 1, this would have been a moment with, with Resnick. Even this season with Laurie, they had that span episodes. In this one, they murder a man, and they don't seem to give a shit. And it was clearly murder. And it, it comes muddles wars, because I think they are clearly going for some ambiguity between Woodbury and Rick's crew. They are going for it, and I understand it, and I respect it. I think in some ways it's good writing, but in other ways it's like, I think the show doesn't realise how the governor has a point. Yes, the governor's a creepy fuck, and for no, needless reasons, a creepy fuck. But at the same time, he's not wrong. The Ritz crew is fucking dangerous and they're remarkably uncivilized. And yes, it's a the economy between we had a nice home base for a, a year or so and Ritz crew didn't. But at the same time, it's like, he's not, he's not wrong. Ritz crew is savage. They, like, they just murdered a homeless man and they didn't give a shit. Like, you know, it's, it's weird where Shane, as my brother keeps happily saying, Shane was a fucking psychopath, but he wasn't wrong. He's just, you know, he's just an asshole about it. And the other plot of the episode concerns the scientist in the um, Woodbury, who's trying to see if her consciousness remains after they become a zombie. So he uses a guy with prostate cancer volunteers um, to some memory exercises and then dies, and they try memory exercises afterwards. And he tries murdering me and gets stabbed in the head by Andrea. And then she cries because zombies don't have any memories. And it's like, yeah, no shit. 
You're literally with your sister who died, came back and tried murdering you. So it's a bit, a bit far-fetched. And also, in fact, I know Michonne doesn't trust these guys, but literally all she has to do is say Andrea. You know. That's it, just say Andrea. And they go, okay, we, that's all sorted, we understand. But she doesn't, you know? And same with men interrogating guys. You could have just said to them, look, we brought you here because, you know, they immediately jump to 11. It's like Saw movies where they have a saw, they spend two seconds trying to cut through handcuffs, give up, and then they go, well, i got to cut my leg off. And so, like, you can think a bit longer. You know, I'm someone who makes snap decisions and then regrets them. You don't have to make a snap decision. You can take 20 seconds to think it through and realize that maybe there is a key to in the bathtub right next to you, you know? Like, save Walking Dead. You know, they immediately jump from zero to 300 and they don't pass go, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not the best episode, but I like the acting's great as usual and I like. The stuff of Carol's fantastic, and Glenn killing zombie, although Maggie should be one to do that, was awesome. Like, really a fucking cool moment. But also a terrifying moment, because these guys are a threat to Woodbury. And it's, 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 in some ways, the writing, the Woodbury art survivor conflict's good, because it's very accurate to what will actually happen, because people are fucking assholes, and they won't sit down and fucking talk about things. But if Woodbury talks to them and just like, look, no. You can join us. We're happy if you can join us. Just, you know, you need to put your shit down. And Rick and Coke have been like, we've got a baby. Can we join you? But they're doing a good job of aptly pointing out how in reality those sort of things are always fucked up because people are morons. As we saw in the pandemic, people are dumb as shit. You know, they'll do the dumbest things. Like, wear a mask and you won't. And you won't give people COVID if you've got it. And they're like, I don't fucking wear masks. Oh, I'm exempt, mate. Oh, oh. I had asthma 35 years ago. It's cured by exempt. You know, people just, ah, oh, they just don't think. They're so safeish. And this show exemplifies that. Which, in some cases, makes it one of the most, one of the better written shows on TV. But in other cases, these characters are fucking morons. So, you know, there you go. So I give episode three, episode seven of season three, about three stars. Some really good parts, but that whole governor thing sort of like, oh, Maggie, I may or may not rape you, that just puts me right off. Like, knock off that shit. Just lazy fucking writing. It really is. There's better ways now to do that, to do a scene like that. I mean, in fact, you know, in fact, yeah, Glenn do cool stuff and Maggie did nothing. Says, oh, no. I mean, it would have been far more effective. Like, that's would have worked better if the zombie... Glenn heard the zombie in Maggie's room go for her and then Maggie did all that cool shit and killed them because that'd be a subversion. It'd be like, oh, they underestimate Maggie. They thought she was just, you know, some sort of weak, scared woman. And she's actually back because she is a badass. But this episode's like, nah, 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 fuck it. You know? She's going to give Glenn up. And he's going to be strong, and he's going to cry and comfort him. And he's like, oh, fuck off with that shit. Even when this episode's made, that's fucking old hat, you know. That's just my opinion. So, anyway, there's The Walking Dead. Episode 7, Season 3. Um, this was the last episode of Friday Night Fright. Okay, bye.